Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the What's Up podcast. It's one of your hosts, Bella. I use she, her, hers, or they, them pronouns. And I am here today with the Multicultural Student Center. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. So I'll uh, I'll let y'all go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Haley Okamoto, and I use she, her, hers pronouns. Right now, I'm serving as the interim program coordinator for the Multicultural Student Center. Hey y'all, my name is Christian, um, pronouns he, him, his. I'm a third year at Portland State. I'm currently working as a team member for the MCC. Awesome. Well, very happy to have y'all here. Haley and I actually used to work together, um, (laughs) so it's nice to see a familiar face. And um, that student leader network, kind of, you can't really escape it. (laughs) It follows you (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Um, But I'll, I'll go ahead and start off with asking kind of what multicultural center means and like who uses your center what what is multicultural what does that kind of community look like at PSU and and what would it look like for a multicultural community to thrive like within a predominantly white institution and uh, Portland being a a very white city so what what is that um, experience Yeah, so at PSU, we do have six cultural resource centers, and one of them is a program initiative hoping to turn into a physical center. But with the Multicultural Student Center, I kind of see us as like a catch-all. So we're here for folks who um, maybe identify as multiracial, so they don't see themselves fitting into one of the other centers. We um, work with students who are first gen, um, first in their family to go to college. We work with international students. So ultimately we're kind of a resource hub for um, people who identify within those realms. And I think for a multicultural community to thrive within a predominantly white institution and city, it's really important that we value the experiences that students of color go through. So sometimes when they're going through these classes and if all of their classmates are predominantly white and they don't have people to relate to them or their experiences, they can come to our centers where they feel a sense of belonging, where they feel as if they can be heard, they can meet people who have similar experiences and can relate to them. And I guess relating back to my own experience, um, I really just naturally gravitated towards our center. Um, I think that the events that we put on, you know, they don't just tailor to one culture, one ethnicity, um, but different backgrounds. And I think that's what, um, for myself, I learned a lot and I'm continuing to learn a lot. So that's really great about our center. Yeah, thank you for sharing that experience. It's so important to have a a space like that. And for those of um, PSU students who haven't actually been in the physical space, it's really beautiful. It's really large and open and welcoming. And I think that's like so important to have that home for people on campus. 
Um, and you touched on this, Haley, but how might a person who doesn't feel like they fit into one cultural or racial box, um, how would they find people they can relate to? Yeah, um, so with our center, um, we do have a partnership with Mixed Me, the student organization. It's fairly new on campus, but they do serve folks who identify as mixed race, biracial, multicultural. Um, and as someone with a personal background in being mixed race, I knew what it felt like to have to oscillate between these different identities and not necessarily feeling enough. So with our center, um, we do have programming that's focused around, you know, learning to accept yourself for who you are and learning to embrace all of your cultural identities, no matter how much or how little you know about these, um, your different backgrounds. Um, so students are able to connect with other folks that are multiracial so that there can be a shared sense of community. So we have these experiences that we go through as mixed race folks that um, other people just may not understand. So meeting people who are also multiracial, whether it's the same mix of identities or not, there's still gonna be this shared experience. So our partnership with Mixed Me definitely is a great way for students to meet other students. And then we've also done partnerships with the Multiracial Employee Resource Group um, as a way to bridge the connection between mixed race students, staff, and faculty. Um, so that students can find mentorship from folks on campus. That's really awesome. So glad to hear that. And um, if I'm correct, you've had a, a part in creating the Mixed Me organization? Yes. So when I was a senior um, at PSU, I was the founder of that club. So I'm really happy that we found folks to continue the club into this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And to keep that, that legacy going is really great. Um, Happy to hear that. So you touched on um, the Mixed Me program and we talked about a little bit about like your physical space. But what are the, some of the main things that your center does, whether it's like programming, um, services, leadership opportunities, that sort of thing? Um, so I think, um, you know, being remote, I think we've really de developed our social media um, through passive programming um, and also just brainstorming ideas on how to reach these new students. Um, something that we wanted to do as well is, you know, provide a safe place for discussion. Um, I think I really value that as a student, um, just being able to learn and ask questions freely. Um, so that would be my perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've definitely worked on our Instagram game this year with everything being remote. Um, and beyond that, we have been offering virtual programs through Zoom. Um, we do have a couple of left. Um, we actually have one today <laughs> with um, Mixed Me and with the Pacific Islander Asian and Asian American Student Center. We have one next week about what it'll be like to navigate life post-grad, so beyond academia. Um, but beyond our virtual events, we also do have a MCC leadership team, which is, which is what Christian is a part of. So we have an administrative assistant, and then we also have um, like programming team members. So some of these positions require federal work studies. Some of them are through an ELSA scholarship. So if folks are interested in, you know, maybe doing event planning, wanting to gain leadership skills, work on facilitating events, things like that, we do have those opportunities within our center. That's amazing, especially having like leadership and job opportunities in uh, 
a community and context that people feel more comfortable in, I think is a really great way because a lot of college students have like very little job experience. So having that like transition um, is really great. Um, and since going remote, we've we've seen a lot of activity with Black Lives Matter and we've we've really seen like renewed conversations happening about uh, anti-racism and um, anti-blackness that's present like everywhere in society. Um, so with the MCC in particular, what are some actionable steps that y'all are taking to incorporate Black Lives Matter and anti-racism work into your center? Um, and especially being like a mixed community, having intersectionality be part of that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, last year, the cultural resource centers as a whole came out with a statement about the Black Lives Matter movement. We have it up on our website. And then we also do have um, some specific things within the multicultural student center that we worked on. So recently, when we put out the movement or the statement last year, um, recently, our staff came together to um, gather all the things that we've done to report back to the community just to let them know like we put out this statement and we want you all to know that we actually have been working on these things so on the crc instagram page we do have a list of different um things that our center has done so for example we had our um programming assistant helena work on some social media um what are they called? Kind of like infographics in a sense so that talked about um, like voting in the Black community. We had an event around, um, I can't remember the person's name, but it was like motherhood and, and nursing and how that impacts um, the Black community. And then we have also done partnerships with the um, Pan-African Commons Center and helped provide funding in that sense. Um, but overall, just to address um, anti-Blackness within our communities, it's definitely important to, to recognize that this is not just an issue in America, it's an, an issue worldwide. So we've also wanted to address that like internationally, how are, or how is this movement being portrayed across the world? Because we do work with international students. So um, it was great to have that report back just so folks can know that it was more than just words. We put action to it as well. Um, so this summer coming up, we will be reviewing that plan again, making necessary adjustments as needed and continuing just to have these conversations because sometimes students just need a place to learn. Like Christian mentioned, like being able to ask questions freely from a genuine place of, of wanting to learn. So we'll continue to hold those spaces and will always be there to have those conversations, um, whether people are just learning or whether people wanna voice their opinions, um, we're always there for them. Great, and then question, um, can you speak a little bit to the student side of that and like what conversations um, are you having with being kind of in that like middle role of like, having the position within the MCC, but also being a student and then like working with students? Yeah, so personally, I feel like there's just um, a lot of information um, given through social media or through friends or through other networks. And it's really a, um, a matter of filtering that um, information to a way that we can understand it. Um, so I'm hoping to do um, 
maybe an event next term that centers around filtering all that information in a way that people can understand that. Because I know for me, it was very like, um, just going through feeds on whether it be Instagram or Twitter or any other news um, site and being, you know, reading a new thing every time and being like, wow, like this is a lot of information, but that's definitely how I see it. Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective um, to share, especially because like the age of information, there's so much happening at once. And also it can like, there's compassion fatigue where there's like, it can really be emotionally draining to like learn about stuff all the time um, and just think about oppression all the time. Uh, so that's definitely real. Um, and for people who aren't on social media, like I'm not on social media anymore and you have to be a lot more conscious and like deliberate about the content that you seek out to learn and educate yourself on things. Um, but yeah, I think just making an effort is the place to start. Um, and I'm hoping that you all can speak a little bit to um, to the students who use your center and and how racism impacts students and how it impacts their families and um, the community at large. Yeah, so I think that it's important for us to recognize that when we meet with students, we don't know the extent of what they're going through at home. Um, in their communities, personally, within themselves, um, mental health-wise, emotional, physical health-wise. So it's important to just note that when students encounter racist experiences in, in the classroom, on campus, it can definitely take a toll on them. And it can maybe make it harder for them to want to seek out community. It can make them feel fearful of being on campus, being in a community where they're supposed to feel safe. So um, whether it's blatant racism, whether it's microaggressions, it will always be picking away at these students and you may never know what it is that they're facing. So overall, it can definitely impact their health in a sense that they may feel more isolated. They may not um, like I said, feel safe. And in regards to their families, I think mental health is definitely a taboo topic in a lot of different cultures across the board. So um, that can be even more, more taxing on them as well. So for students that have to experience racism on a campus where they're supposed to be going to school and learning and have it be a positive experience, um, we just really want to make sure that our centers can be a, sa a safe space where students can come in speak about these interactions, and then if action can be taken to make sure that these things don't happen again, we can go down those necessary routes. Um, yeah. Um, so going off what Haley said, um, I've definitely seen, you know, the microaggression side, um, in, even at Portland State, um, honestly. Um, but I think just as a center, um, providing that safe space and um, giving people a chance to talk it out um, and providing resources too. Um, we, we don't have all the resources, but you know, we have connections with all the resources at Portland State. Um, so knowing what resources to give um, each student. And there's a really actually great talk. Um, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure to speak on it. Um, it's a TED talk by Dr. R. Williams. Um, it's titled How Racism Makes Us Sick. 
And he talks about how like a student's experience um, with racism and how it can lead to higher levels of, um, of stress. And then obviously that leads to conditions down the road. Um, but just being aware that it does happen, um, even if it is in like a microaggression sense. Um, but as far as the center goes, I feel like providing that safe space, like Haley said, and then providing resources to the students. Yeah, that's super important. Thank you. I'll just take this chance to say thank you um, for that work because it's so important. And um, and that's like that's doing social work and that's doing like community therapy. So um, really, it's so appreciated. And and you mentioned too, like. I think a lot of white people in particular don't want to think that PSU has like that racism happens at PSU because we are in many ways a very social justice oriented institution, but it absolutely happens. And, um, and Christian, you mentioned resources too. So if someone did want to report an incident um, of racism or bias, what kind of resource could they seek out? Um. I'm actually gonna pass this question over to Haley. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Yes, of course. I think if a student feels safe and comfortable in coming to either myself or one of the other program coordinators for the cultural resource centers, we would definitely be more than willing and happy to sit down, have a conversation with them, learn more about the context of the, of the interaction. So if it was with a fellow student, um, maybe going to the Dean of Student Life, if it was um, from a faculty or staff member, um, we could always report it confidentially. So there are different avenues that we would take based on when, where, how the incident happened. It's definitely a case-by-case -case basis, but we would want to also make sure that we refer them to the services at Shack. So if they're seeking out um, therapy, if they just want to um, learn more about mental health resources within wherever they're living, because we are, you know, in this remote setting right now. So if they're not directly in the downtown Portland area, um, maybe what are some resources they could seek wherever it is they're living. Um, and then we could also go further to talk to folks from um, like our division, Global Diversity and Inclusion, and see if any of those departments are needed to pull in. So if they are a veteran talking to the Veterans Resource Center, if they identify within the LGBTQ plus um, community talking to the Queer Resource Center, um, if they receive services from DMSS talking to one of the um, coordinators upstairs from, from our center. So really just making sure that they feel supported and all of the identities that they hold feel supported as well. Yeah, that's so important, especially with like a large institution, it can be really hard to navigate those things. So having mm -hmm. like those advocates um, who also like represent the community is really great. So um, you talked a little bit about this and, and students finding like a safe space and being able to be comfortable in with your center. Um, but in terms of like connecting to health and wellness, how does your center act as a source of healing for this community? So something you mentioned earlier, Bella, is that sometimes it can just be very overwhelming to constantly think about the systems of oppression. Um, so I think that one way we do try to touch on healing is by 
holding this space where we can just be in community and like be joyful and cheerful with one another. So last term we held an event about virtual vision boarding and Christian helped me out with this. And we were able to teach people about vision boarding and setting goals for the future. And it was a really uplifting event where we were able to talk about ourselves and our goals without having to think about like the systems of oppression, without having to think about racism. And for a moment, we could just pause and just like live in that moment of we're going to look at something positive right now. Yeah. So every now and then we do like to host events where we take a break. We can take mental breaks from having to constantly see the news, see things on social media, um, and where we can just remember like at the end of the day, we are people and we should also be doing things that that bring us joy, that bring us happiness. So I think that that is definitely a source of healing balanced with our um, our centers, like spaces that we hold to talk about racism and oppression. So having both of those, those um, resources for students, I think is a yeah. way that we address healing. So just have like the opportunity to exist and be a person yeah. um, without being othered. I think is like such a unique experience um, in a world that is so othering. So that's really great. Christian, do you have um, some experience or perspective you want to share on that? Yeah, so um, I was also going to bring up the virtual vision boarding because I think it was a really great event for people to talk a little bit, reflect. Um, I know we've also had a couple game nights. Um, so, so it just shows that not all events have to be so heavy um, but I, I definitely do appreciate that as a student. Yeah, finding that balance is so important. Um, and I, I want to ask you both as well. Um, a, a lot of white students and white people at PSU, which is most of PSU, um, like really want to help and like do better and all of that, but often don't know how. Um, so like what can allies do to better support students of color without taking too much space? Because I've definitely seen that happen a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important for our white allies to make sure that they're coming into the space of being an ally for the right reason. So making sure that they're not doing it to make themselves feel better, but they're doing it to make sure that they actually wanna uplift the voices of people of color, the BIPOC folks, BIPOC students. Um, so doing things like not speaking for our communities um, based on like maybe experiences or interactions they have, but rather just sitting and listening, actively listening to the stories of of um, our students of color, because at the end of the day, white allies will experience life differently than our BIPOC folks. So um, coming into the spaces, making sure that the work that they're doing is not performative, but it's genuine and it's authentic, um, making sure that they're listening. And then also a lot of times programs or events will end with action items. So making sure that they go through and they do the work of doing the action items that we're asking for. So showing up, listening, following through, um, and just not necessarily making themselves the center of attention, rather giving the attention to our students of color. I definitely agree with that. Just 
taking a step back and learning as much as you can. Um, we all don't experience life the same way. We all have different um, experiences through life, but I think learning as much as you can and trying to put yourself, um, maybe not in someone else's shoes, but just trying to understand um, why someone would be feeling a certain way or why um, we see maybe institutions differently, um, how we're treated by uh, members of society or uh, Portland and beyond. Um, so yeah. And I will also add, I think it's important for white allies to remember that it's not the job of people of color to educate them. So, you know, as people of color, we already go through a lot of things. So it's not our main priority to educate folks. So white allies need to take the initiative of going out on their own and trying to learn things on their own. And then when they have questions, coming to events and, and asking the things that they maybe weren't able to find enough information about and, and continuing to learn in that way. And one more thing I want to say is just learning to be empathetic. So instead of coming back with comments like, oh, that sucks, like I could never imagine having to go through that, like thinking of wording that can uplift the people rather than like kind of pushing them down even more. So yeah, learning to be empathetic. Yeah, I love that. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. It's so important. And I and you mentioned also like not just asking people of color questions about like systems of oppression all the time. Um, if you are wanting to like learn from people of color, there's ways to do that by reading and and listening to people online who are volunteering to to do that education instead of. Um, pestering people, <laughs> mm -hmm. just going about their lives. Um, and Christian, you mentioned navigating institutions as well. How can PSU as an institution better support students of color? And, um, you know, are there some initiatives or movements or campaigns or things that y'all are ad advocating for on the institutional level? Yeah, so I think just being very involved in our centers. Um, I know that um, Dream PSU is pushing towards a creating their own center. Um, that's one way that, you know, Portland Skip Date can really um, support a community um, like that. And um, yeah, I'll pass it over to Haley now. <laughs> yeah, some other initiatives that I can think of this isn't directly with the MCC, but it's with the cultural resource centers in general, is that um, we are pushing for the Middle Eastern, North African, South Asian program initiative to become um, a fully like operating resource center. So we have a space dedicated now on the second floor of Smith for the center, but not necessarily the funds. So if we're able to get funding from the university or if we're able to get donations, then that would be a wonderful way to, um, to fund the, the build out for that center so that we can have our Sixth Cultural Resource Center. Um, and then I know that the folks over in the Pacific Islander Asian and Asian American Student Center have been working to create um, an Asian and Pacific Islander Studies program at PSU because within the School of Gender, Race and Nations, we have the Indigenous Nation Studies program, the Black Studies program, the Chicano Latino Studies program, but we don't have one for our API community. So I know that that is one of the initiatives that um, the API community is working towards. And I think with the MCC, 
as we go into the summer coming up soon, that's when we're gonna really take a look at our systems and see what kind of things can be adjusted, what kind of initiatives do we wanna work on for our upcoming school year. Um, but I know that a lot of that is up in the air considering we're remote right now, but we're planning to be back on campus in the fall. So I think in COVID times, it's important for the institution to think about how are students, staff and faculty of color going to be impacted by returning back to campus in person? Because I mean, it's just kind of known that people of color are being disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Our communities aren't necessarily as vaccinated as other folks. And um, sometimes our communities need more educational resources to learn more about what the vaccine is. And I know there's a lot of trust, be, trust issues between people of color and like the healthcare system. So it's important for the university to, you know, maybe be a little bit flexible and understanding the concerns of people of color and what it's like to return back to campus, especially with like the anti-Asian hate that's been going on and that has arisen because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, so I know that they're just kind of announcing that we're gonna go back to campus in the fall, but really taking action so that students of color and faculty and staff of color as well can know that once we return to campus, we will be safe and that we will be protected. Um, and that, um, I don't know, that the, the campus community is ready to have folks back and back in the physical spaces in a, yeah. in a safe way is really what yeah. I want to emphasize. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, and and being really active in making that transition equitable and making it happen instead of just saying, well, people should just get vaccinated. Like, no, there's ways <laughs> to do it in a culturally relevant and equitable equitable way. So um, that's a great point, thank you. Is there anything, anything else that y'all want to share um, about your, like the community that uses this center? Um, or events that you have coming up or anything that you wanna leave our listeners with? Um, I would just say that we're really grateful for all of the students or just community members, faculty, staff who interact with our center because um, our leadership team, my students that I supervise, they put a lot of work into the events that they host. So it's always amazing to see um, like community gatherings and just being able to see friendly faces, whether they're new or returning. Um, so we're grateful for any type of interaction that students have with our center. Um, and I will just quickly plug our event for next week. I know that we have one today, so it's a little too late to plug that one. <laughs> but next week, Wednesday, May 26th, we have an event called What's Next Life Postgrad from 5 to 6.30 p.m. So we will be featuring six BIPOC panelists who are recent alumni, um, not just from PSU, but just institutions in general, most along the West Coast, um, who will speak to their experiences of life after graduating. So these folks are people who did not necessarily have that next step lined up for them. Um, and they kind of just graduated and had to navigate like the job searches or going into grad school and what that would look like. So that's gonna be our final event of the term. Um, so this is actually in collaboration with all of the cultural resource centers. So each of our communities will be represented in that panel. Um, but beyond that, we do, we will be doing programming over the summer. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And you can always follow 
our Instagram account, which is, um, let me just pull it up, at multicultural underscore PSU. Awesome. And we can definitely link that in the description of the episode. Christian, any last words? Um, yeah, so we're always open to feedback. Um, we always want to provide, um, you know, events that are going to be meaningful to students. Um, so I encourage everyone to, you know, send us a DM or, you know, go on an event, um, fill out the reflection form. Um, so yeah, we definitely want to put on events that are helpful for students. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here. This is going to wrap up the episode. Um, and this is actually wrapping up the entire series with the Cultural Resource Centers. So thank you so much for the work that you do and for being a part of this and for um, sharing your experiences for our listeners to learn from. Yes. Thank you, Vala, for having us. We're really just happy to be here in this space with you and, and to wrap up the series. Thank you. As I said, this will be the final episode in our series with the Cultural Resource Centers for now. Special thanks to everyone who made this happen, including our participants, Pedro Torres, Rolanda Salguero, Trevino Brings Plenty, Robert Franklin, Courtney Taylor, Kennedy Ames, Tatiana Garcia, Diana Hernandez-Cuesta, Ahmed Almansuri, Brie Kalima, Haley Akamoto, Christian Vasquez, and our What Podcast team. Listeners, please continue to support these centers and do the work to keep learning, growing, and making our PSU community even stronger. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503 503- 725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday or you can download the Campus Well app. You can also check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and take care. <laughs>